Before we begin, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the class. I've personally taken a few of these classes, and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion, but wanting more. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. I'll see you there. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another spectacular edition of the Richard Listen Show. Thank you for joining me today, where we will dive into the worlds of diversity, entertainment, parenting in a quarantine, and uh, feature one of my friends who has accomplished so much over her career, and we'll be talking about her short films, the Sundance Film Festival, features that she's behind producing, creating, and uh, I want to thank all of you who have been staying tuned and following me throughout the crisis. Uh, Richard Listens here. Thank you to our listeners, supporters. Please go to our Patreon page, com slash Richard Listens for advanced content and all the great shows we've been re recording in the quarantine prior and for the time to come into the future. This is exciting. This is my passion, and I appreciate you sharing it with me. Today, my guest, inspiring uh, mother, woman, uh, wife is Gabriela Ravia Lugo. She's a writer, producer, director, as I mentioned. She has produced Whiplash, a film called The Gallows, uh, produced both, both domestically and internationally, had filmed in the Tribeca Film Festival, uh, and in 2016 had a highly anticipated film, The Tribes of Palos Verdes, set out here in California, starring Jennifer Garner. And um, her short film, uh, most recently, Molly's Method, has been nominated for awards, multiple film festivals, including one for Best Director and Screenplay. Uh, she's also sold her film Burden to International Film Channel, uh, or IFC, if uh, that's the correct uh, breakdown. Anyway, without further ado, we are excited to bring to you one of the leaders uh, in bringing both diversity uh, as, you know, executive, as a woman, as a mother, and uh, representing Latina film directors, producers uh, in today's market. Uh, and we're excited to hear from you. Without further ado, we welcome Gabby Lugo. Gabby, are you with me? Here we are. Here we are. Thank you for making the time for me. 
Of course. Good to, good to see you, even though it's, it can't be face-to-face -face in the studio right now. I know. It's so <laughs> weird. Was, it's a weird reality, unreality. I'm sure it's giving you, uh, or maybe in the long run, when it's not a real reality as a parent and business owner, it'll be a good film someday, or many films will be talking about this. Uh, I, I talk about this with a lot of writers. It seems like there's like half of us that are writing like post-apocalyptic like weird quarantine inspired things and then there's like another half that are just writing rom-coms right because they're like <laughs> anything to escape like, the misery that is <laughs> what's happening yeah now. my my brain uh, i am giving speeches to athletes and parents and what they should do to cope and i find myself like diving down the rabbit hole like i'm back at seven years old or walking around the grass my, my daughter's asking what is he doing in the front lawn just to, <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> Everything's on the table. Every board game. Uh, I think we're breaking yeah. out Clue, Battleship. Uh, so anything to like break the monotony. Yes. <laughs> you know, the first week of quarantine was so hard that um, I didn't know what to do. So I bought my kids a bouncy castle and I put Indoors? it in the middle of my living room. Like my husband, who's super, who you know, who's super like clean and OCD was like, there's a bouncy castle in our living room <laughs> but you know what our quality of life drastically improved now we can put it in the garage <laughs> there needs to be some sort of, yeah i think we're going to bring the trampoline back in i know all those things in my head that were like safety concerns i was like no the energy has to get released because yeah. otherwise it's like a chemistry experiment Completely. Like, we're just like you walk down the hall and you hear conflict yes. so uh it's real i'll be in the middle yeah if you hear some noises during this podcast you'll be like yesterday I got on a call with someone and uh, there was like a zoom there was a fight in the zoom room and uh, there was a protest my son was was lodging a protest that he didn't have to be on camera oh. <laughs> I really should have let it go I would have been interested to hear his argument as to why I, it appeared to me more that he didn't have to be on camera so he could be on YouTube uh, <laughs> but it was an interesting ethical uh, argument and the teacher was saying yeah actually uh, you do that's like how you participate right now my mom's a teacher and she <laughs> said that some of her students took video of themselves somehow and like uh -huh. their picture so that when she's like doing the class that they would think she would think that they're there. Right. And actually they were like doing something else. <laughs> like, yes, never that. I think, I think, I think my 11 year old son studied this on YouTube because <laughs> he had something, he, he actually had a feature that made it look like, he was disconnecting like he's there but it's having trouble connecting oh so, my gosh yeah so i think the teachers responded with like a draconian if you're not like fully there in the image they just cut you out of the class which then caused an uproar it's really amazing because it's forced talk about performance you know like all of a sudden it's thrust all of us uh and i was you know reading in, in the intro all of your accomplishments over yeah. the last uh six years and and uh exciting uh, developments recently, which hopefully you'll share with us about Bird uh, and Molly's game, is it? Yeah. Uh, no, uh, but Burden and then uh, Palm Springs just got sold to Hulu and Neon, and most recently, um, our Melissa McCarthy movie just sold, so I was really excited about that. Yay! So there are things happening in, in the quarantine. Yeah, some, yeah. Some, some, some. I know it changes the course. But it's changed the way we look at performance, right? Even teachers who are like used to doing things one way now have to prepare to use technology to and manage people from afar. How are you doing with managing? Um, you know, you have 
I mean, you can't you can't film anything right now. Yeah. Uh, how is it managing the rest of uh, the company and uh, managing the bounce house and <laughs> the homeschool? It's hard. You know, it's really hard. I think um, I'm a very type A person. And I was like, okay, so the first week I had like a full schedule. I made a schedule, like every hour was, you know, planned out and this is what we're going to do. And at this point, we're going to touch in, you know, base with people. And I don't want to stop having meetings. I wanted to just like sort of go as if the world was still spinning. And in retrospect, like that was such a mistake, you know, because I, I got really stressed. Everybody around me got really stressed. There was no way to accomplish the list. Um, and so then I think just sort of took a step back and was like, okay, my most important job right now is just to be a mom. So like just to be a mom, I'm going to take that like a couple of days at a time and sort of like figure out what's my new routine going to be with my kids. I sort of figured that out and like, wow, my business didn't crumble. Like people didn't go away. Um, you know, it really was a big lesson for me about just sort of like taking time. Um, and so then as the weeks went on, I started saying, okay, well like now what, what can I do? Right. So what I can do is read a lot of scripts. What I can do is talk to a lot of other people about safety and how we keep um, our sets safe. What I can do is write. What I can do is catch up on all the content that I haven't seen and figure out like where is my voice and where's our company's you know mission in that content world. Um, so really, Which like some pretty big, pretty big you know pieces of the pie when you talk about like yeah keeping. And I know, I know you really want to keep your, your company values driven. You want to make sure that uh, you're representing films that have meaning where the actors speak to you. Uh, it's a lot to take in. Yeah, it's important, you know, and um, not to say that, like, I don't want to do, like, stupid slapstick comedy. I do. I just wanted to say something, too, you know, and so I think... Um, now really like we have this amazing opportunity to be purposeful about what we're doing. And before this, I feel like I was just like always trying to catch up. Um, and, and you think that that's life, you know, and like now I'm like, okay, well, how can we be more purposeful about what we're doing? And the next movie that goes into production, how can we be really safe about how to keep our crew safe? And, um, how can we really be really purposeful about the content that we're putting out and make sure that it says something, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess I didn't even think about that. I know just walking into my own therapy practice the other day and just the thought, I didn't even see anybody. I was just recording podcasts, but just the thought of like how a client would come in and then I went on the therapist group chat and they were like, yeah, I'm going to be like wearing a mask and have the client never come in the waiting room. It's going to be, and uh, maybe put up a, like, I think people just nonchalantly mentioned wearing like the, the covering, the shield. And I just could not, even, I can't, I don't know. I can't even imagine myself. Um, I mean, doing like a therapy session like that. Um, but you know, in, in, in your industry where people are touching equipment and coming so close. Yeah. How, how do you even begin to think about like social distancing and. I put together a, there were a lot of different documents that have been like floating around the internet that different studios and producers have put together and some of them are like we're gonna quarantine everyone the whole time and you're like well that sounds great except for 
so-and-so prop master watches his elderly mother and -and so-and-so has like four kids and is a single mom. And, you know, like it really doesn't take into account like people's life. And so I put together uh, with the help of, 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 you know, maybe a few dozen crew members, um, something that we thought was really helpful. And it includes things like some things are sort of counterintuitive, right? Like you think, well, we'll just have less people work on set. Well, less people means like more people are touching things that they wouldn't normally be touching. And so maybe that causes more cross-contamination. So now we're thinking, well, maybe longer prep periods, some departments will have like more shoppers or food stylists or things that you wouldn't normally have on like a small independent feature, but then we'll make sacrifices in other places, you know? So think you just have to talk to people and be like look this is what I'm comfortable with what are you comfortable with like let's see if we can find a medium and if not maybe like we're not the right fit for this project but we will be right yeah the narrative has changed the discussions between people about what feels safe uh you know doing a teletherapy session some people were feeling initially like oh that's not human it's not connected but if somebody has an autoimmune uh disease and, and they're compromised maybe it's more sensitive now so the whole frame is is really changing yeah. so it'll be interesting how that like becomes about when you're casting or um yeah what the location is and um how to maintain that we have to like lean into it too you know like if we want to work this is the new reality and no amount of like um complaining about it is going to change that. So I think like we just have to have a big complaint session, get it all out. (laughs) But now what are the practical things that we're going to do in each department? And I think like each department is the best suited to tell you how their department's going to work. And so them putting together their own guidelines, working with the producers to approve them, I think is going to be the most effective. So what's what's worked um, the best for you at, at, at Revic Entertainment? Have you found, you know, you're going through more of uh, the, the backlog of scripts? Like, are you, are you know, what, what processes have you found that, that have been successful practically? And also when you talk about getting back to your mission, has it been sitting with your husband, Carlos, and being like, what, what do we get into this to begin with? Like, are we true north here (laughs) we usually don't have a lot of time to think about those things you're just like sort of picking up the ball as it goes and trying to make sure you know we're a small business and um we have employees and uh you want to just you sort of just get on autopilot so it's been nice to take a step back i personally have been taking more of a step back and um, have started writing. So hopefully I'll start uh, writing on a television show, which I can't talk about right now, but um, hopefully that will start in a couple weeks. And I'm going to focus on that for the summer and into the first part of the fall. And I think like he is really my partner, my husband is going to really take the time with all the scripts that we have been reading and sort of figure out, okay, what is the best home for these that best represent like our company? So I'll still produce those, but he'll, he'll take the lead on those movies. And what has this been like, you know, just, uh, I want to, I mean, I'm I'm assuming the writer's rooms are scheduling. They could be zoom rooms. They could be. (laughs) They're all zoom rooms. 
I'm very lucky. I had a very good staffing season. I heard it's better for writers now because it's like it's got to be more focused. You know, sort of yes and no. In some ways, it's hard because you can't feel. I was saying in some ways it's really hard because um, when you're in a room with like, you know, 10 other people, you really get the vibe of like, oh, I can build on this pitch. I can build on that pitch. There's a lot that's not so misconstrued because you feel the energy and the empathy of the people around you. Um, So if somebody's like, Richard, I don't think that's a good idea because this, this, and this, it's sort of easier not to take it personal when you feel the energy and the empathy of that person because you've just been talking about other things. It's a little harder virtually to take like social cues from other people. Um, But we're learning, you know, and like, I think we have nothing to complain about. Like so lucky that it's a job that we can do remotely, but it is exhausting because you're always on. Whereas like if you're in a room with somebody you can sort of take a minute to think about things and, um, you know, try to get your, your thoughts together. But when you're in like a zoom room and everyone can see you all at the same time, it's harder, I think, uh, cause you feel like you're all, always have to be on. So in some ways, yeah, you're always on. Yeah. Someone's noticing, right. Even if you're not the presenter or whatever, like people can see if you, if you slouch, if you, yeah get distracted by your kids if you slaughter like or like yeah, I, that's interesting part about it i mean i learned yeah. i was taking notes in like a a meeting i was having and the person was like i'm sorry are you bored i was like no i'm, I'm like literally taking notes. right right why are you looking down and then i think like right now to look at you right i'm not looking at the camera right right so, and that's been like my whole thing. Like you really want to create this connection to people, but you're supposed to be looking in the camera. So it's like this weird reality of like how we, how we relate. I mean, it's so important for people to be seen. Um, you know, like I've noticed just walking around the neighborhood, you see neighbors and maybe you wouldn't interact and now you have the mask on. So you both are trying to like how you recognize people and make out their features. So it takes a little extra time, like studying their eyes and then you realize you know them. And then there's this moment of like, and it was just so funny that I saw someone from the gym and they were like, it's okay, we can get within six feet. Like he and his wife had to move like really slowly, you know, like you would move the dolls the kids are playing with. And it was, it was, it was, but it was really human, like the intentionality of trying to connect uh, and just, just be seen right now. Uh, yeah, I heard there's a concept just came out earlier uh, called Zoom fatigue. I believe it. Yeah. I mean, if you're in meetings all day and people aren't leaving transition, so you schedule like eight straight Zoom meetings, but normally you get like 15 minutes to go to the water cooler and get a snack. Or <laughs> Well, if you're homeschooling your kids and they're not big enough, that they don't need like the constant supervision like you can't do that right so I in some ways um you know a little lucky that I I can't do that right um although in this new room I won't have that luxury but I have to like be with my kids so I'll do like a 9 a.m an 11 a 1 and a 3 and that's it you know right so you, you, I mean, you've you've been really good at. I mean, uh, I mean, your children are how old now? 
I have a nearly five-year-old, if you can believe it. She's four and a half and um, a three and a half-year-old. Don't do that math, Richard. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yes. And, 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 and while, you know, we know children being that close in age and uh, amazing to have been, you know, a part of your journey with uh, baby CC and, um, you know, you, you've really been walking this walk for a long time of having to create balance between being present for a pressure filled job and with a purpose, right? Not trying to just mail it in every day and then be fully present as a mom. It's so um, hard when you have, um, my daughter is very, very sort of um, self-determined. And I don't know if it's, um, it's, she's so much older than her age. And you have daughters, you probably can relate to this, you know, you have a daughter. Um, <laughs> I have 11 year old twins and, and the daughter is like, I think she's, she's the oldest in the house. She's, <laughs> she's technically the youngest, but I think she's in charge and I just have to accept it. They really are. It's incredible. And and sometimes it's funny and cute, but other times it's really hard because you do have to really listen to what they want, you know, like they are, have their own ideas and opinions. And sometimes like, I just want to, I wish I could be old school, like my mom and be like, it's just this way because I say so. <laughs> but uh, I can't do that. Conscious parenting and all, but, oh, I think I, you froze again. Did I unfreeze? I can hear you laughing. Can you see me? Am I moving? You're moving now, yes. Okay, good. Yeah, I went to a hot spot, so we're secure. Sorry for the technical difficulties, everybody. No worries. So we're talking self-determination. Yeah, I mean, how much of that is, is related to how much she's overcome, how much she's been through wanting to be independent, <laughs> you know? Um, and I really see it with my two kids because my daughter you know was born with uh, this heart condition called pentology of control if you're squeamish don't look it up it's you know basically kids are born with like organs outside of their bodies and like they have five different heart defects right so she we were in a community together and um you know luckily had a lot of support but it was really hard what i gather now five years later is that because she's had all of these like very invasive and intense doctor experiences, she's now very like clear <laughs> on the things that she wants and she doesn't want and the things that make her comfortable or uncomfortable. And she's not afraid to tell you, you know, and sometimes it comes at like inopportune times. Like I have two meetings I have to go to and like, I really need you to put on this outfit. Um, and she wants to explain to me why, like, that's not going to happen, you know? <laughs> yes. And I followed some of the commentary and dialogues. I think it's some of your best writing yet Thank of, you. uh, around outfits or going someplace. <laughs> it's so funny. I'm like, Sassy, you need to go to sleep now. She's like, mama, that doesn't work for me. <laughs> like, what do you mean it doesn't work for you? You're four. <laughs> I've got to get some, uh, <laughs> dreaming in I've got to read my book <laughs> like on her own schedule and then my son who has like never had any medical issues um you know had to see a therapist but he's never had any like psychological I mean uh, any physical issues of any kind um 
he is very like much the opposite like tell me what to do guide me like love me hug me i'm just like an open wound and so sometimes i get a little whiplash like because the same thing doesn't work for both of them you know so what do you tell you know parents out there especially i mean this is i mean my mom worked and and i and i've had like reflections a lot about like the stillness because my mom worked as a teacher and so in the summer if she was home I didn't care if I was like sitting on the lawn, just knowing she was in the house. I was just so happy that mama was around, uh, you know, so the, the challenges with being, um, you know, women in the workplace already and maintaining family are hard enough. How, uh, you know, what have you learned about yourself in all these roles and, and for women out there, like going forward in having to be fully present, attentive mom, be present for your, your craft and still be present for yourself. I think um, what's helped me a lot, especially during this quarantine, is realizing like, I you cannot have it all at the same time. You can have it all, just not at the same time. <laughs> so like, there are some days where I'm a great mom and I bake with my kids and I do all the things I need to do and other things fail and I drop the ball in other areas. And like, I just need to learn to not beat myself up about it and be okay with that. There are days where like everything at work is rocking and rolling and I'm putting food on my table and making good decisions and that's great. And you know what? Maybe I didn't spend as much time with my kids as I should have. And I can't beat myself up over that. So I think it's just like learning to be kind and compassionate to yourself while juggling. Like every day you're going to be good at one thing and suck at the other two things. And that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's what i think like is the only way to get by <laughs> yeah uh yeah definitely um, that's terrible advice <laughs> <laughs> well i mean yeah we can try we can try and be good well and also what it means to be great at something looks really different um yeah so allowing that permission for a creativity and uh yeah, when you can't when you can't take kids out to play or you can't do some of the things that would provide support. Yeah. Uh, what do you do then? I know they're calling this like the great definer of your your marriage or uh, you know, a lot of the things that maybe we weren't doing for ourselves or if we're running around too fast and not slowing down, uh, that's gonna come up right now. Yeah, you know, you know it's funny, my husband um started having all these like back issues once this started. And you know, it's weird. Like he's not running around as much and he's, you know, not on his feet 15 hours a day on set. He's just home, like, you know, and he started having all of these back issues. And I think it's just because it catches up to you. Like if you've been, you know, running a hundred miles an hour and suddenly you stop, you're going to have problems. It seems like everyone these days is trying new workout systems. Some people go to the gym, others may run, but I've recently discovered a great in-home method that is absolutely amazing. I'm taking in-jitsu classes online where I'm being trained and pushed in real time by top MMA fighters straight from the octagon. Injitsu.com provides real-time classes so you can get a top-notch workout from the comfort of your own home. These classes are absolutely going to sell out. So head over to injitsu.com slash Richard Listens to get your first class for free. 
That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash Richard Listens. Protecting your child's teeth is important in any sport. That's why Impact Dental Designs has put so much thought into their state-of-the-art mouth guards, protecting athletes in youth sports all the way up to advanced MMA fighters and champions. And the best part is you can customize your own design for your own creative and fun mouth guard. So head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash Richard Listens. And if you purchase now, you get a free customized design and 20% off your order. Yeah, and it's also like some of the things we do to cope, we keep moving to deal with stress, but we, but we're ignoring the body's message that says, right, it's really hard. What do you mean? I got so I want to do more, I want to do more, I want to do more. And there's, and there's like the creative part of us and the, the part that wants to accomplish things drives us forward, like you mentioned being type A, but we're kind of pulling the override switch on this part of us that's saying, yeah, you got to take care of yourself too. You can't just take care of the company, the family, uh, you know, so they're putting the oxygen mask on ourselves. I know uh, I finally gotten back to, I picked up a 30 day uh, yoga practice. I think the first few weeks of this, I was like, I'm just going to sleep as much as I can. Thankfully, you know, uh, you know, I didn't have to care for company and um, you know, I wound up being feverish and sick myself. So it was a whole nother gratitude of like, I just got to take care of myself right now. I have to. Yeah. Uh, and thankfully, you know, and thankfully having other people pick up the pieces. I mean, not, I know not everyone is in that position and my heart goes out to people out there that are like, can't even collect unemployment right now. So, um, you know, not everyone is, is, is that fortunate. And this, this kind of is a great equalizer in that way, giving appreciation for the stories out there, what's happening to the homeless individuals, uh, what's their life like. I mean, just the reality of like not feeling safe to go to an emergency room yeah uh i'm sure that will cover uh be covered in media and films for a long time uh to come that's a really weird test on security and safety yeah and in some ways like you know we have to be really compassionate to other people that everybody's not having the same experience you know like i am I don't have any money coming in, but I'm fortunate enough that, you know, hopefully starting a job soon and, you know, have a tiny little bit of savings and like, I'm going to get through, I'm going to be okay. But there's other people that are living like paycheck to paycheck that have huge hospital bills already that they were trying to pay or that have a lot of medicine that they need to get. And, you know, their life has gotten exponentially more difficult. And, I think we just have to try to be really compassionate about what everybody's going through right now. Um, yeah, that's the real opportunity in all this. I think it's, you know, I'm giving a presentation on Monday called Quarantunity, which, uh, you know, just to make it funny, but I mean, it really is. I think in the real opportunity is not necessarily, even though some, some people are sharing about how it does help their business and, and some people have done well throughout this or it hasn't affected, but the real opportunity is I think in the authentic connection. The real, uh, for me, the real gift is like, you know, fighting to like, after a month and a half to have my mother visit from 10 feet away and just feel compassion, you know, and not get into the usual arguments and just realize how hard it must be to be alone at 80, you know, and and to feel that, you know, and uh, I got like the best thank you call ever for like, you know, we didn't do anything, you know, but I printed some pictures out or, you know, 
I forget what we had. We had like a cup of coffee waiting for her, <laughs> you know, but the appreciation for small things, which we talk about all the time, we say it, we preach it uh, and to our kids, but to really, to really feel it. Um, it's, you know, it's been weird decisions too, that people are making. Like I remember at first, um, it's so easy to be judgmental, right? Like on all these groups, everybody's like, you know, I, I won't need my housekeeper to come back and people like jump on them and they're like, how could you do that? That's so terrible. Like, you know, you shouldn't be having anybody clean your house right now. And then the woman responded on this particular message board. She's like, I live with my mom. She's asthmatic. I'm a nurse working, you know, however many hours, like I need somebody to help me. And suddenly like, you're like, oh, right. People have other circumstances in their life. Yeah, the polarizing chats are just like, uh, you know, mental health tip 101. Do not go on past 1030 at night. No, uh, nothing good yeah. happens after that. The attacks, yeah, the attacks based on snap judgments. Uh, and you could feel all these moral things. I, I was like, you know, the trips to the grocery store was so anxiety provoking, even for myself with all the training and tools. If like three people, and they'd be the same people probably that were, you know, in the neighborhood and they, they're just acting the same as they were, but not respecting boundaries. Coming to, like, you know, like, and, and that's a hard thing, I think, when you're feeling threatened is to really stay calm, composed and Especially when you have kids, because you're like, homie, your decision's not just affecting me, it's affecting like my family. But in reality, that's that's to be always, right? That should always be the way we're operating, is like thinking about the degree of like, how I'm acting right now, you know, if I'm, you know, cursing, blasting my music in someone's face, talking to my cell phone where someone's trying to have a private conversation. I mean, that degree, especially in a tent, you know, a dense city, the level of like compassion, dignity that we can show just for anyone everyone and the difference that makes in an authentic experience and a, you know a quality of life and talking about like you know creating a, a positive work culture and family culture uh so somebody sent something to me about it's funny as a psychologist i got this article about like you know the powers of uh you know removing punishment and instead like re you know really connecting to the emotions, you know, and I, and I realize, like, here we are, we're having a, a Zoom disruption, or kids are fighting, and the first reaction is, you're interrupting me, and I'm upset that you're interrupting me and what I need, and, you know, I just got to this place, it's funny how it happened uh, the last two Friday nights, of just extreme compassion for what it's like to be 11 and not be able to go out and play or see your friends, and it, and it just, like, just, I'm spending five, ten minutes in that place, and then the rest of the week, my connection to my children is we're bonding. We're sitting together because I feel that, that you know, they're not just reflections of me. And same thing for employees, right? They're, they're human beings with these stories. That's where they're coming from. Uh, that's what they're battling at home is trying to take care of a kid and make it to the grocery store and fight yeah. lines at the grocery store. Like all of a sudden, it's, it really gives an appreciation for like forgiveness, uh, letting go and change. But really important topics talking about Corona and quarantine and parenting. But I want to make sure I focus and highlight on your work. Oh. Uh, it's really good seeing you. Uh, tell us a little bit about, I mean, I know you've shared, uh, I know you're a big uh, Ozark fan personally, um, but uh, tell us about uh, Burden, how that's doing, and, and some of the other exciting things you have going on right now. So, you know, Burden is so tough because we um, had been trying to make the movie for so many years. Um, 
the producer with a capital P, my, my good friend, Robbie Brenner, who brought me on to the project. She had been with the movie for 11 years. The movie had existed 10 years prior to that. So it'd been 20 wow. years trying to make the movie. And uh, finally, like Forrest Whitaker signed on, like the stars all aligned, we made it. And then sold it to a company that went under, <laughs> had to get it back. Uh, wow. wait for all of these like legal issues to resolve and then the movie was finally ready to come out and then quarantine happened <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so it really is has been like one of these like um testaments of will right like we had a premiere for it and it just unfortunately you know, we'll see what happens after all this. There's a lot of talk of like where if, if it has another life online or if we try again to do um, a theatrical run. But it's a movie about uh, a guy who left the Ku Klux. It's based on a true story. Mike Burden, who left the Ku Klux Klan really because he fell in love with a girl. And she happened to, he had no plans on leaving the Klan. He liked his white supremacist sort of like bubble um because that's all he knew right and these people were his family um but then fell in love with this girl who happened to have you know a lot of like black friends and was ashamed of him you know and i think that made him sometimes when you're in a relationship with somebody and they become like a mirror for you to see yourself um he didn't like what he was sort of seeing back and and left the clan and it became very dangerous for him and eventually was able to break free from it, but it doesn't have a clean ending, you know? And I think that's one of the things I really love about it is it's not wrapped in a bow. And I, I did get to see it in landmark theaters before the quarantine. Uh, and, and it's truly moving, you know, to see that, that conflict, especially showing what most children, I don't wanna spoil it for anybody, but the, the conflict between like what you emotionally know by being friends with people who are different than you and, play and then having people who we look up to kind of corrupt our belief systems and wanting to maintain their approval and acceptance. And then, you know, somehow we kind of maintain this dichotomy of kind of going along and get along until push comes to shove when it's, when it's really, and so that pain that really, I mean, yeah. just what a wonderful acting to show just that tremendous pained look of just, you know, and having to go through like complete metamorphosis of almost self-hating who you are uh, and being nobody. Uh, and yet, my favorite, now beginning to stand for My favorite part of shooting the movie was when we did, um, there's a scene where Mike Burden takes um, his girlfriend's son and his best friend fishing. And I love it so much because it's, it's, it's this notion that when you are with family and you're having fun, like all of the, everything else sort of just fades away. And um, it reminds me a lot of like people who have come out to their parents and they're like, but we were, you know, we went fishing or we played uh, Clue or we did this thing that you do together as a family and sort of like all those other things sort of didn't matter anymore, you know? And so for Mike Burden in that moment, it's like he forgets that this little boy that's his, that he's there with is black. And he's just like fishing with these two little boys and like enjoying himself. Yeah, he's like a kid too. It's, it's, yeah, it's really, really well done. And I, wow, I didn't even realize that you were probably behind all that directing that. 
that scene. But I mean, yeah, the, the feeling like you could feel it. You did direct that scene? No, I didn't direct that scene. Oh, no, no. Okay. Um, Andrew oh. Heckler directed the movie, but I was on set. Yeah, and we were all behind monitor, sort of. I mean, you can well, well, they paint the perspective from the child, at least, that he knows he's being disliked. Like, you can't understand it. Yeah. But he kind of, I mean, he's with his friend, he's playing with his friend, but he knows the dad is like, like this, there's a, there's a kind of a badness there and something that's just not, he just doesn't know what to do with it. And then they go fishing and he's out there and he's like, just helping him with the worm. And kid kind of shrugs his shoulder and he's like, yeah, that's all I needed. That's really all I needed from you to prove that you cared about me. Yeah. <laughs> it's so human. Um, I really. And doing that when everything else is crumbling around you, when there's consequence, you know. You know, I was nine months pregnant when we shot that movie. I, we finished and I was enormous. Like I was like a penguin waddling everywhere. And we got home and I gave birth two weeks later. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. So the story of this film and, and, and your life are intertwined. And I mean, I guess a lot of, filmmakers are dealing with this now do they release it online do they hold it i guess everyone's kind of in a pause yeah i feel bad for people that like had their movies at you know south by and that that was like the next festival that was going to happen they didn't get a chance to showcase them we were lucky enough to sell our movie at sundance palm springs which uh starred andy samberg um which is sort of a, like a take on groundhog day it's a like a modern modern day version of that uh and that will come out um hulu and neon are releasing that but it was supposed to be like a theatrical and streaming but that you know we'll see what happens there and then um you know we were gonna take our movie the starling which is about grief uh starring melissa mccarthy and chris o'dowd um, about, you know, people who lost a child and how they sort of dealt with that, which I really connected to, you know, having almost lost, lost our baby, um, you know, and, and we were excited for people to see that at festival, but uh, we ended up just selling it to Netflix. So hopefully people- a lot of, And that's a lot of direction a lot of filmmakers are going these days, right? Is, uh, yeah. If you can't directly. sell it, you know, you lose the press and the fanfare and sort of like people writing up about it because they love it and they were so touched by by it so you know having been a person that's never been able to sell a movie directly to a <laughs> to a big studio like I've always had to go the festival route this was like a you felt close you felt like it was about to happen I so appreciate the the festivals because it's it's where people like have passion and are connected to your project and you get to see it firsthand. So it's hard to not, not go that route, but you know, we have to adapt. Yeah. So do you go forward with like, we plan to be back there next year, but we have to plan as if we are not. I think like you just have to move forward with the, the bird in the hand right now and say like, you know, what is a way that, everybody's hard work will be paid off even if it's not as profitable as perhaps it would have been otherwise well i'll be happy to review for burden my i don't think my movie reviews are critically acclaimed but uh <laughs> fantastic film yeah forrest whitaker uh tremendous so uh, really exciting that, that you got yeah. him in the cast andrea riseborough is phenomenal in the movie um she was in oblivion with uh, Tom Cruise and I, she's such a chameleon people see her in um, 
every movie she looks so different. She plays Judy Burden, exceptional. Um, Garrett Hedlund is really great in that cast. Oh, that's a tough role. It was a tough role. It's really <laughs> tough. I remember we were saying to him, like, are you sure you want to meet Mike? Because, you know, he's, it's many years have passed and, you know, are you sure that you, you want that so that you don't have, you, you right now you have the freedom to sort of like interpret him however you want. And he was like, no, I find a lot of like performance grounded in truth. And so he went to meet him and, you know, it was really tough for him to hear firsthand, like what things this man had done, even though he had changed, you know, it's, it was, it was tough, but it helped him ultimately, I think. Wow. It's amazing to see different, you know, you know, people who are fine tuned in their craft and their method and, and what brings them into, uh, you know, their, their inspiration. And uh, yeah, he's been in so many films and to play, he's a clan master, right? Uh, really, really yeah. tough I mean, one. So he's like just under the clan master in this, right? So Tom Wilkinson plays the head of the clan. My God, so all of those clan outfits are all sitting in my store, my personal storage unit here in Los Angeles. Oh my gosh. And <laughs> if somebody went, cleans it out, what are went, they going to think? We went to clean it out just to like get some stuff out that we needed. And it was literally like, I have dozens and dozens of clan robes. I'm like, oh my God, if anybody comes in here, they're going to get such the wrong idea about who I am. <laughs> You don't want to wind up on like uh, Pawn Stars or one of those shows. No, <laughs> like, that is not mine. <laughs> terrible Ugh. is it is it hard to acquire those things i mean i know it was really tough because we there's a, a seamstress for the clan and of course there's a part of you that wants like the authenticity of that but you don't want to give money to those people like we don't believe in anything that they stand for our movie is like yeah clan. i thought about that with high castle too with all the you know the nazi uniform yeah it's hard because you don't you have to walk a really fine line and there's you know things that we had in the movie for the the clan museum that are horrifically offensive and that really affected not just our african-american cast i think like all of us were particularly horrified by it and you have to make a choice like do i show this and sort of treat it like porn in a way that's like fetishizing some of this stuff like, what do I hold back versus what do I show? And so every day we'd have discussions like that. Like, is this necessary to telling the story? And sometimes right. like, yeah, the painful is necessary. But other Yeah, because there have been movies done about, you know, the clan, but to show what it's like, you know, to, to be in a place where, you know, someone is kind of bringing out all the memorabilia. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there was another film made. Um, IFC came out with a film about a uh, Confederate, stored or something that was like the family didn't know what it meant but all of a sudden it was drawing all this attention uh from all the clan in the south you know like that kind of uh and it's centered around the grief loss of a family so you know but this is really really different what, and what it's like to be there and to be in a community that's trying to move forward and reshape history and to have something that's being painfully uh so a lot of empathy for and, and if that's for what a lot of people went through over a long time in the South and if that's how they had to maintain their lack of responsiveness and their dignity. And uh, it shows you a really vivid image of like, it, it's not just as simple as turning, you know, the cheek 
It's it's really you know what what the the center of the conflict between you know MLK and um, Malcolm X like what this debate was really about and and, um, and the other side too for for people who are uh, you know lost confused uh, white orphaned uh, and looking for messages and the power of uh, you know being surrounded by misinformation and hatred. Yeah, and we have to be able to have like nuanced conversations about these things because they're not so clear sometimes. Um, and I think especially living in Georgia, making the movie for so long, I really had to adjust the way that it, it was either like, I'm going to be right and we're not even going to have this conversation about why you're being racist or... I can ask you a lot of questions to help you get to a similar uh, state of questioning yourself so that we can have like a more uh, compassionate conversation about why maybe like you sh I don't feel comfortable with you using certain language around me to describe like black people, you know? <laughs> and so right. I think it's, it's just like, how much patience do you have? Do you want to have the meta dialogue? Yeah. Right. And, and for the relationship and trying to understand one another, what a gift. Well, uh, in closing, you know, I know we were short on time. You're busy. You probably have to get into a zoom class or uh, <laughs> switch. Yeah. Which hat, which, which hat are you on when the hour goes ding? Um, but, but thank you so much for being generous with your time. Tell us, uh, our listeners, how they can contact you if they're interested in writing, learning more about, you know, the ways that you've created, uh, you know, paths from small business to hopefully soon direct studio release um, and any uh, exciting things people should look for uh, upcoming. Sure. Um, you can follow me. The best way to get a hold of me, unfortunately, probably, is uh, to just follow me on Twitter. I'm at, at Gabby Rev Lugo. Um, that's the easiest way you can always like just check out my website, which is gabbyrevialugo.com or, uh, revicentertainment.com, which is our company site and see what movies were. And those will, those will all be in the show notes for everybody. Yeah. And that's it. I'm, uh, I hope everybody's having a safe, healthy quarantine. I just talked to people in the East coast this morning. So if the weather's poor and you're quarantined, uh, yes, public service announcement. Take care of yourself. If you can't move, get imagery of a landscape, even if it's like if you got to watch. I know like all the channels coming up on I think Hulu or Disney are like Earth or animals. It's really important for your nervous system to get a sense that you have space and you can move into space. And sometimes if we can go there in our imagination rather through closing our eyes, remembering a place or through watching something on the screen or through film. Yeah. Uh, it can take you and teleport you to different times, different experiences, and those are healthy distractions all the time. But right now, if you need a little bit more of that, yeah, highly recommend. Watch away. <laughs> highly recommend David Atten anything David Attenborough for your kids. <laughs> Which is your favorite? Uh, we've been watching Our Planet. Um, that one's been really good. Yeah. What are you watching, Richard? Uh, well, I did finish Ozark. I know I was, we, we got we got to continue that debate online. It was amazing. It's inspiring. Uh, it's yeah. I don't know if another one of these. I don't know if I should be watching before bedtime. Um, uh, I did watch Hunters. That was a little bit you know painful. Uh, 
uh, history too. So I don't, I, I don't know if I would want, um, but I had it when I was going through the fever and trying to distract myself, I watched counterpart on prime. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I thought that was amazing. So the idea of like having a, you know, almost the, you know, splitting image of yourself and what could make you different in one little way, what, what circumstances and similar things, what we're talking about right now in the world, right? Like, do we have compassion? Do we care? Do we have curiosity to get close or do we dislike yeah. based on different choices? How about you? I just finished watching Westworld, uh, which I was really into um, just the <laughs> concept of like what makes you human. So I really liked that. Um, I finished watching you, which I hadn't finished yet on Netflix. Uh, which is like a soapy, weird, um, stalker type show, um, <laughs> which I, is, is really wonderful, I think, deliciously. Um, and I just started reading again, Brave New World. So that, that's... Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I've been doing that you know, with, in terms of reading. I've had like, you know, the, the, the short books that are empowering me, motivating. And then you realize, like you said, you can't change the quarantine. It's out of your control. And so I'm going to the shelf and all the books that are like 300 pages that I never finished. Yeah. They're coming out now. So I'm reading uh, some Jack Kerouac, Town in the City. That's um, um, so, uh, but it's keeping me going. It's a gift. And I realize that I really miss reading, that it fuels a lot of feeling of connection and creativity and um, so that's my commitment after quarantine to keep that going. I think it fuels my engagement with my clients and different ways to reach people and yeah. frees you up, frees you up from your body for, for a little bit of time. Agreed. Well, thank you. This has been so lovely. Thank you. And we can't wait. Whatever's next, however we release your stuff to promote it, you know, get people interested. I really am moved by burden. I totally didn't even make the connection. So like, I'm so glad to be able to thank you in person. That's incredible. And thank you for making time and for keeping the family going, the company going and doing it all value-based, sensitivity-based, the changing world that we're in. And uh, thanks for being a connection of mine. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Grateful to Gabby Lugo for making time away from her family and kids uh, to share with us being a filmmaker, director, producer, writer, changing landscapes, changing hats on the hour, especially in Zoom culture, Zoom writing rooms. History has changed, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in. As always, please check me out on Instagram at Richard Listens. We are accepting clients. Uh, let me know if you'd like to schedule a free consultation for our practice, uh, working with individuals on clinical and performance issues and here to support via telehealth at this time. I appreciate all of you tuning in. I'm grateful. I'm excited for all of you. Please keep sharing your passions, reaching out to me. I'm Richard Listens, and I'm out. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Lastly, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com. 
providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the session. I've personally taken a few of these classes and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion and with a drenched shirt. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash Richard Listens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash Richard Listens. Take care, everyone.